catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. On March 22nd, 2023, two days to when Nigerians came out to decide who would serve them for the next four years, that's from 2023 to 2027, the Young Nigerians shared their thoughts on if the 37 million registered youth voters would turn the tide of the election. You can listen to that conversation again by searching for Nigeria's 37 million registered youth voters, real change or just numbers on Africa Tech Radio's website or on your favorite popular podcasting platforms or wherever you're listening to this from. The elections are over now and I've brought young Nigerians back to hear their thoughts on how the elections fared. Did Nigeria's 37 million registered youth voters really prove or change anything in the process or in the outcome? Did we see new voting patterns or behaviors? What's next for these young voters? Maybe sit and watch their Messiah leader fix the country or engage at all levels of governance? I have a senior reporter at Premium Times, Amaka Okafo. I have a PR and political enthusiast, Abdul Ghani Issa, a media consultant, Njideka Agbo, a human rights activist, Femi Adiyeye, and a public policy analyst, Neka Augusta Nadi. And... Abdul Ghanil is uh, the PR and political enthusiast. How are you doing today? Good morning, Anthony. I wonder why you are starting with me this morning. Oh, so <laughs> your name starts with A and uh, after A is B. Uh, so I just looked and I said, well, let's start with Abdul Ghanil. So based on the outcome right. in, right. in hindsight, okay. right, did we do enough in voter education leading to you know, the registration, the collection of cards, and what do you think we can improve in this area? Uh, well, thank you. If you recall, during the last um, session we had before the election, I mentioned that um, the old noise about go and collect your PVC, okay, your PVC, we can help you get it, and all, all the frenzy around it, I said, would wait till the election to see the outcome. I have to give it to us, to be honest, we actually did well, and I think we can say that it worked well in favor of the youths. A lot of people came out to vote. Well, we can argue the numbers, but I think people came out to vote, and I want to also believe that uh, it's a win for us. However, I think given that this was actually the first time many you know, came out to vote, or perhaps many are, you know, witnessing a kind of election that everyone is so interested for the first time. I think it affected a lot of things in the sense that to accept the outcome of the results became a tough thing for many persons. But I believe there's a correlation between the voter education and the turnout, especially for the presidential election. I believe there's a correlation. And I think we can, what I would just expect is people should build on this. We need to build on this, to be very, very honest. We need to build on this. So there are other things I would like to point out later, but maybe when they might get back to me. So that's it. Okay, thank you very much. Um, Njideka, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah. I'm very well. Yeah. Yeah, so I think what was most striking for me was TikTok. I'm emphasizing on TikTok because everybody knows that TikTok is where the Gen Zs go to, right? But then you saw people intentionally creating videos on how to vote, what parties each candidate belongs to. You saw even conspiracy theories. You saw different things about candidates, you know, that got 
the not just millennials this time around but even the gen z is educated about political parties you know about delegations about about a lot of things and we also even saw people going to marketplaces you know with their megaphones to educate people on the need to come out to vote to even get their pvcs we saw the university students being encouraged to go home so i i think that they actually did well we capitalized on the different mediums that we had to educate voters i believe it was effective mm-hmm. okay uh, do you think that you know the efforts we put into voter education registration collection of cards do you think this improved the turnout or do you think it had no effect at all i think it did i think it, it so it's about whether people were disenfranchised as a different conversation entirely but if it influenced the voters turnout i strongly believe that it did okay okay thank you and to chamaka good morning so in hindsight chamaka all the efforts put into voter education you know that you know led to registration the collection of cards you know and that process before election um, based on the outcome of the elections you know how would you rate that and what areas do you think we can improve or upon yeah good morning anthony thank you for that well a general assessment would be that we did fairly well so we saw a large turnout at the presidential and national assembly elections and of course that process went in ways that fell short of a lot of expectations and then the elections were postponed by another week as a state election. The same momentum we saw at the presidential elections weren't replicated, in my estimation, on March 18th. So at some point, it, it, for me, it felt like we lost sight of what was at stake. We lost sight of the fact that this is not a one-off race. It's a marathon, so we didn't sustain, maintain, or retain the same energy we came to the playing ground with uh, February 25th, we didn't see the same energy March 18th. Of course, people would justify that by saying, oh, INEC did this, INEC did that. But it's it's a growing democracy and every now and then, you know, there'll be failures in the system, there'll be cracks here and there, there'll be outright disappointment, you know, from election management bodies and anyone you could possibly think of. So, yeah, while I I say that, you know, it was fairly a great outing, we could have done better. We dropped the ball for March 18th and we could have done better by, you know, keeping the energy regardless of whatever transpired or at the February 25th elections because these were different elections. Different things were at stake at these elections. One was at the federal level and... The second was at the subnational level, at the state level, where things, you know, like things that would affect us directly. So even if things did not work out at the national level or go the way we wanted, the subnational could have gone the way we wanted them, largely regardless of the violence and everything recorded on that day, if we had come out in our numbers to influence these decisions through ballots what can we do better or what could we have done better i'd say that voter education should go beyond coming out to vote voter education should also invest more in getting electorates to understand that it's a marathon it's a marathon and there are several races therein so we've done the first election we've done the second election that's not the end of it 
there's still a long road to the end of this and that's another four years so elections continue in quotes until the four years elapses because you need to consistently do your assessment of what your representatives are doing how well is this the mandate is this what we want are they performing well do we need to call them back you know and all those things so beyond just going to vote on elections day voter education needs to also let us know that elections continue even after elections day and even if we are disappointed in it won't change it so we have to consistently engage the process to see the change we want therein that's my thought on that anthony over to you Okay, thank you very much, Chamaka. Now, Ganyu and Jideka Chamaka have talked about how there was a lot of momentum just before the presidential election. Uh, but the numbers do not exactly say the same thing because about 25 million, which is just about 27, 28% of all eligible voters in Nigeria participated in that election. And, you know, if we're looking at 37 million you know, registered voters who are, you know, young people or youths. That's not even up to the, you know, the full capacity of all, you know, the, the young people who are eligible. Of course, oh, noting oh, that, oh. noting that, you know, some persons, you know, didn't get their cards and, you know, there were some issues around it. But then what do you think about the youth voter apathy? Uh, do you think we saw this again in the 2023 general elections or was there any difference at all? All right. Thank you very much, Ibe. You know, this thing you always do, which is that you call me last and when very brilliant people have spoken <laughs> first, it's, it would definitely affect me because I've listened to them and everything they've said is very correct. To answer your question is to say you're back here after the first part, you know, it's beginning to appear like many of those things we said then you know, played out in the elections. Uh, but the good thing, and we must, you know, also applaud ourselves in areas where we did very well, which is the area of voter um, education, voter education, coming out to vote and all of that. You know, the young people of this country took the presidential election most, in particular, they took the election very seriously. That's the truth. So I cannot actually talk about figures. I can't actually tell you that, oh, there is actually youth to voter apathy. But on a general note, there are also factors that contributed to the voter apathy generally, as both youth, old, elderly, and everybody. Because you had just 27% of um, voters turning up for the elections. You know, one of the factors is also the Naira issue. We were saying at that time, people thought this thing would... Oh, the Naira thing was going to help us. It's going to help to curb vote buying and all of that. So there are a lot of places in Nigeria that are not, where you don't have banks. There are so many communities in Nigeria that are unbankable, places like that. So you cannot, you cannot push away the fact that the economy also affected uh, the turnouts. Aside from the fact that people have also lost hope in the process because over time they've continued to see that the will of the people do not end up being the real thing at the end of the day. And I made a post after the elections and I said, see, you guys, you may, you may feel bad, you may, you may just feel disinterested about the whole thing moving forward. But let me tell you, this is not the worst election. That's the truth. It is not the worst election. We've had worse elections in this country. It is only... You know, being talked about because the interest this time around is so loud and the publicity about the whole thing and the fits 
Now everybody had in Beavers and everything. Oh, Beavers is going to do the magic and all of that. That's the reason why everybody is now feeling disappointed. We've had elections in this country where ballot papers did not have serial numbers. We've had elections in this country under Obasanjo, you know, where they just write figures. I'm talking about the INEC chairman then, um, Professor Morris Hill. You know, we've had elections in this country where they have to even change the rule while, you know, the election was going on. So this is not the worst. It's only because the Gen Z, <laughs> they've just become more aware of the whole process. And it's a very good thing. And that is why we must continue to speak to ourselves, encourage ourselves. People should not tear their PDCs. This is not the time to start feeling like, oh, you've lost it all. It is just to become more politically educated to the point that even voters can be educated to the extent that they know that they can recall anybody. I mean, especially in the legislative realm, they can recall people that they voted or that they did not vote. You get so voters' education must continue. We must not lose hope, you know, in the whole process. Even though, as revolutionaries, we believe that the system and the people in charge of the system will not give you a process that will end their reign. It's as simple as that. But that's another discussion for another day. So, on youth voter party, I think there are several factors that you know played out. But I cannot give you figures right now. We don't know the number. We don't know the percentage of the young people who did not turn up for who turned up for the elections. But on a general note, there was voter party based on several factors. But can we do better? Yes, we can. Do. Okay, thank you very much, Femi and Neka. Before uh, you know this election, high hopes in the youth community with you know how much this election would change a lot of things you know i even asked you know the last time is this a defining moment for nigeria i think we all crossed yes most of us maybe neka can we still refer to this election you know in hind- like after the elections now as a defining moment for nigeria if if yes why and do, do you think it was maybe just you know some maybe just a wasted effort no, I don't think it's a wasted effort in any in any way. I actually think that yes, it's actually defining moments for Nigeria. You know, for the first time, a party that had just nine months or seven months actually to prepare for an election came out and did marvelously well. When compared to projections, people assumed that they were not going to do as well as it did, but it did well. I mean, they had now currently they have one governor. They have about 34 members in the House of Reps. I think they have eight senatorial seats. And it did remarkably well in the, in, in, at the State House of Assembly elections also. So it's a defining moment for Nigerian youths because these were people that ordinarily, a few years ago, you tell them politics and they'll tell you, excuse you, well, that, 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 first of all, they'll tell you it's boring. Next, they'll tell you that they don't care about it. Next, they'll tell you that ah, those people have already gone to write who they want to get into positions. But now, in nine months, they were able to collect themselves together, able to come together with one voice and speak. And Nigeria had no choice but to listen. Even when the election results did not favor or was against the popular opinion, you could see that it was the, the rigging process, which ordinarily would have been you know, a, bit, a bit shrouded in mystery. Now it was clear that this is not what the people wanted. So when you say, is it a defining moment? I believe it is. Nigerian youths are no longer as uneducated as they were. Yes, so to a very large extent, we could have done much, 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 much more. But now we're seeing that it's now harder to rig election. It's now harder 
to lie to the Nigerian populace. It's now harder to do all the things that were considered normal initially. So the only thing now is the way forward. What is going to happen in the next three years? What's going to happen in the next eight years? What's, will Nigerian use continue with this momentum? Will it fall? What's going to happen next? That's what I cannot say. We're hoping that it continues and then it goes beyond just um, being sentimental. It goes beyond just voting for platforms. It goes beyond just saying, oh, this person, because this person is there every day, the entire party is right. It goes beyond that. And Nigeria can actually have a true ideological political party. That's the prayer. That's the hope. But was it a defining moment? Yes, I believe it was. Okay, okay, very interesting. Now, we shared some fears, you know, in the last episode, Chamaka, Njideka, Abduganiu, Femi, you know, fear of the tech, you know, expectation of violence, cash crunch, outcome of the election, accepting the outcome of the election, how tech savvy the electoral officials would be in handling the tech and maybe being compromised, vote buying, misinformation, all of these fears. Did we see all of these fears, you know, play out? Chamaka, Njideka, Abduganiu. Yeah, so my assessment is that all of this played out. And I'll start with, so technology, I wouldn't say largely failed, then I'll be unfair to the areas where this worked. But it was fairly a gruesome sight, if you ask me, as per the beavers. And then, of course, deployment was late, cash crunch. Tom attributed the deployment of, of electron materials to polling units, the arrival, the late arrival to the unavailability of cash and the first scarcity and everything in between. Did people accept the outcome of the elections? We all know what it is right now. Everyone is in court to contest the outcome of the election because their election balance, greatly so across board. I mean, we talked, we had seen it all at the presidential election, but much it was a new site, a new form of violence from tribalism to anything you can think of really and it was just a new law in recent times this is 2023 some kind of conversation shouldn't be coming up shouldn't make frontline conversation in an election such as this well we've seen what it is so for me my assessment is that all the fears we we voiced in the last um episode or part of this all came to play it was a playground for anything you could think of and so that is a measure of where we are. But in all, I really love to re-echo, just like Nick has said, we're heading somewhere. It's a signal to growth, to the kind of progress our democracy is making in terms of people fighting back and, you know, standing their ground to say, this is what we want and we, we will see it through. Whether or not we get positive outcome, that will be for later, but for now, we're going to follow this through to see where it heads to. So I'm just going to circle back to say that, you know, all the fears we, we voiced came to play February 25th and March 18th. And just a follow-up, Chamaka, do you think we need more tech or less tech in the election process as a whole? From where I stand, I'm not exactly a Texas, but I think we have sufficient technology to do this. And we saw how sufficient this technology can be in the March 18th election. It, it didn't work to its maximum at the February 25th elections to the extent that, you know, results weren't uploaded from polling units as INEC did. And I'll just, like I've always said, INEC overpromised on what it could deliver, you know. 
But we saw that the beavers served the purpose, the purpose of accrediting people to vote. So there are very few people who said, oh, the beavers did not recognize me, unlike the smart card readers. So that technology has gotten a grade A from, from me, right? To the extent that it was able to accredit people in real time and they voted. Now, on the other part where it was supposed to upload results, that failed because days after the elections, results were still coming in. But we saw that, you know, this technology works. It can work at the March 18th elections because results were uploaded online. We started seeing results on elections day. So at my organization, we monitored the elections. We were reporting live and we got on IREV as soon as results started coming in and we're seeing results in real time so does it work yes do we need more no we have sufficient um as it stands now and i think what we need to do is to be intentional and deliberate about working with what we have which is sufficient but then allowing it to reach its maximum so when i say allowing it to reach i don't know if persons interfered with you know the the, the technology reaching its maximum or if there were glitches here and there, but this technology obviously works and we can improve upon it. So we don't need more. We don't need to continuously expend money on things that are not necessary. So we can improve on what we have to work better because it works already. So that's my response to you. We don't need more. We just need to build on what we have because it works already. Okay. Femi, what do you think when it comes to the threats that we identified pre-election, which would you say was the most daunting and which do you think preparing for the next election, we should tackle much more effectively and, you know, tackling it would help improve the, you know, voting process? Let me, let me start from what Jemaka uh, said about improving on technology. And then in another breath, she said, it is also what we have is enough and all of that. So if you say we should improve on something, it means that it is not enough. You get so for me, I think human interference with technology should be reduced before technology can be said to be okay, at least to a reasonable extent. If you still need human beings to interfere with something to a large extent, let's say 70, 80 percent, then that technology is not technology enough. Do you get so it is not that Nigeria is, is a very big country. In Africa, as of today, we are still, when it comes to tech and internet penetration and, you know, the knowledge of tech and all of that, we are, we are, we are at least above average. So it is not, you know, rocket science to make this thing happen. It is not rocket science. It is something that if you walk into computer village in Ikeja and you talk to guys, they, they would give us something that can make our election process better than what we have with beavers you know like i said during the last time i said beavers is just like a cctv camera it would you know it will not stop stealing but it can tell you who stole you know and that's what we actually played out and, and that was that's going to make me answer your question like, yes we, we need to do more in terms of you know technology but what i consider the most daunting in in, in all of this is that several things that we just need to do um well but to pick one is to say a lot of you know, propaganda, fake news, propaganda, hate speech, and things like that. We actually fears that we expressed them, and they really played out in this election. You could hear things like, you know, especially after the presidential election, you had things like the Igbos going to take over Lagos. You know, Lagos is no man's land. The governorship candidates of a mega city or a cosmopolitan city like Lagos, so we cannot speak Yoruba, that became an issue. 
you know, instead of debating serious campaign issues of development and progress, the OP just, you know, we reduced a serious campaign to, oh, he can speak Yoruba, he cannot speak Yoruba, he's Midunin, he's Chinedu, or he's Patrick in the US. Yeah, and then we did that for a whole week, you know. Oh, Lagos is no man's land, it is a man's land. And then we left the whole issue. So I think that's, that's an aspect that we need to really work on. And it has a lot to do with our whole education you know, process, our educational system in totality. And not just about uh, when elections are coming, we then start uh, preparing how to educate people. It has a lot to do with our educational system. So I'm, I'm going to pick that actually as the most important um fear that needs to be addressed moving forward people must be properly educated um the people must see themselves as you know tools in the democracy that we are because when you define democracy you say it's the government of the people by the people for the people but in a case where the people are here to see themselves in government they don't understand that they are the ones who determine what happens so these are these are actually issues but there are other things actually that would we must also address because you cannot discuss one in isolation. If you if you talk about this education I just mentioned now and we solve the whole problem of education, but technology that is going to help the election is still failing. We are still it's still a, you know um, a total failure. So mm-hmm. we just have to address all of these issues one um, after the other. But the most daunting for me is this you know propaganda, fake news, and hate speech that really mad. Um, this election. Okay, thank you very much. And Neka, in one breath, yeah, you know, tell us about the most daunting threats that you witnessed or you experienced. And also, do you think it's the right time to push for diaspora participation in Nigeria's election process? I mean, voting, contesting, etc. Seeing that four years is a lot of time to plan and to execute and make something happen. Of course, I feel that the Nigerians in diaspora should be able to participate in elections back home. I think it's something that we can push for. I think it's going to help our electoral process. But then again, if you look at it, we are not even able to conduct elections properly in Nigeria with Nigerians in the country. How then can we say we want to push for diaspora participation where we've not even finished managing the ones in our own country? But I think it's a good policy shift. I mean, a lot of our, our young people are traveling and a lot of them will still travel within this year. A lot of them will travel over in, in, in the course of the next four years and next eight years. So it's 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 a good one. I feel it's going to be good. But when you the first question, the dancing thing I think I experienced in this election was the limited voters' education our youth had. Now, currently, most of our youth are thinking that they are experts in politics and policymaking, and that's not that's not it. They have very limited and curated perspective that the masters have fed to the, to the masses. And if that is not correct, if that perception is not correct and addressed, <laughs> we're in for a big shock in the next four years. I'll just leave it at that, and thank you so much. Mm, we're in for a big shock. Jideka, you mentioned, you know, in the opening about how TikTok and, you know, that um, social media, new social media platforms were used to grow the education, you know, for voters. 
I know, like, I think the first election, you know, you, you had some issues with locating exactly where you were supposed to vote due to, you know, I think splitting of um, polling units. Which do you think was, you know, the threats or the, the fear that's really big and we need to take care of from the last election? And do you think that this crop of young people um, in Nigeria are ready to lead Africa? Ready to lead Africa? Hmm. That's a very big, that's a very difficult question to answer. Um, like Neka said, I mean, a lot of people now, I, I'm excited that a lot of people are educated now. Um, a lot of people no longer see politics as boring, but I think they still have a long way to go in that regard. For me, I, I don't know if you saw the tweets because I actually documented my experience when I was trying to vote. I was, I think, I don't know if a lot of people had the same experience as I did, but I found it, I, I was quite surprised that the INEC officials that were around my area did not know where my polling unit was. I had visited about seven or six polling units. And in fact, at the point, one of the INEC officials just told me, you know, to just go home. And the other person that was with me, he went back because they somehow could not just find his, I mean, our polling units, right? And um, I also think that I, I had conversations with quite a number of people. And um, like Femi said, the whole tribalism conversation actually came up because um, a, media, a media personnel like us, complained about them mistaking her for an Igbo person and trying to use bottles to chase her, you know. So there were issues like that. Also, I wanted to talk about the defining tech thing, the defining moment issue, rather. I think that I would like to focus on Afrobarometer's research, which says that only 23% of the respondents that they had had enough trust in the electoral system to even produce the results that they wanted and this was before the elections so it was not about for me it was not about the tech but it was even the lack of faith in the elect in INEC to even produce the results that people wanted right and I think that we're not also having a lot of conversations about the court of law we know now that people have I mean political parties have decided that they are going to court to contest the to contest the results but i think we've forgotten that um in 2020 in the icpc's results that um, the judiciary was the most corrupt you know for collecting a lot of bribes and a lot a large amount of this was linked to bribes to judges that were handling high electoral and other political cases so i think that these are the two issues that were most significant um for me in these elections, that's besides the fact that the INEC officials were not even educated enough to help me know where my polling unit was and then the high cases of violence that were reported in different places. Does this answer your question, please? Uh, yes, it does. Uh, I, I'm not sure I, I really caught you know, the answer to if the crop of young people we have in Nigeria currently are ready to lead Africa. I mean, you know, this, uh, you know, the Gen Y oh, and yeah, the Gen Zs. I, I, I don't I don't think so. I think they have a lot of education to do. Like I said, I said um, like what um, Neka said. A lot of people think that they have arrived now because of the knowledge that they have, but I think that they still have a long way to go. Okay, Femi. Just before you know, you share your thoughts because um, I I saw that you wanted to speak. Um, Abdul Ghani, um, back to you. Do you think you? I know you said this in your opening statement, but did the 37 million youth voters or all the youth voters that you know cast their votes did it really prove or change anything in the process and in the outcome 
you know, did we see new voting patterns, you know, voting behaviors, anything in that light? Thank you. Well, you have to admit that the 2020 election was totally different from the previous elections we've had in terms of participation, in terms of um, voter education, in terms of the kind of um, resource we put into it. So I, I believe that, you know, a lot of things changed. In, in fact, voting patterns changed. Let us give it an instance. You look at the Labour Party, for instance. For the first time, we had a party that came... Of course, the Labour Party has been in existence since 2003, but, you know, let us be realistic. They probably just came around, you know, came together and became a strong thought force nine months to the election and nine to ten months to the election. And look at the presidential candidates won 10 states plus the FCT, you understand. Then you cannot also remove the fact that even states where you did not expect shockers, you know, we, we got a lot of shock. Lagos, for instance, Labour Party winning Lagos. Yes, a lot of people might accrue that to the fact that um, bulk of the voting population for Peter Obi are people that, you know, probably live in Lagos. But that is an argument for, for a different, you know, <laughs> a, a different session. But the reality is we, we saw a lot of twists. We saw a lot of twists. Imagine Labour Party won Lagos, but they could not even get 25% in states like Ondo, Oyo, and other places. They made inroads to certain places in the Northwest. States like Nasarawa made inroads to Jos. And in fact, the, the, the most shocking of all was the result from NAS. I don't know if many of us saw it. A lot of shockers in National Assembly elections. SDP winning two seats in Nasara was a shock to start with. So, and for the first time, we have the main opposition, the PDP, falling apart during the election. Of course, they started falling apart before the election. But, you know, their outing was so, so, so shocking. A lot of people expected that, okay, we'd have APC and PDP leading the pack. Then we have Labour Party following, you know, behind from afar. But, you know, the gap, 8 million, 6 million, 6 million, was kind of closed. So these are shockers. So it, it, we saw a lot of things. Of course, we cannot remove the fact that religion, tribal, politics played out. And um, we saw it all. But apart from that, the zeal among the youth also was there. And it affected a lot of things. So I think what we have now is what I've been arguing since after the election has been the need for youth to consolidate on the wins we have, on the wins they got during this election. So uh, we can have our say on how, on how the outcome may not speak to what majority was expecting, but the reality is we have a winner, we have people, we have a runner, runners up, and we have the person who came to us. So the case is in the court now. But what's important is what's the next thing to do. So this is the time to begin to consolidate. This is the time to, we, we need to you know, begin to build alliances. So one of the things that this election proved is that you have to build alliances to see to a change, to see things changing, to see to changes in status quo. One of the fundamental things here is that if perhaps the Labour Party and the PDP had formed an alliance, perhaps if they had only Peter would be on the slot, or maybe Atiku and Baka, for instance, you know, they might have, you know, pushed how the ruling party. Yes, that could have happened. But then, failure of alliance. So I think this is one of the things the youth need to learn. We cannot do it alone. Let, let us get that right. We cannot do it alone. There were a lot of online bullying, cyberbullying of elders. There were a lot of disrespect that went on, which, whether you like it or not, affected voting patterns too. So I think one. Then secondly, youth need to understand that 
election is just like a game. I'm not saying it's a game in that real sense of game, but I'm saying that where you have winners and losers. So what you do is, what should you do after then? Beyond just going to court, how do we build this youthful movement that we have now? How do we build on it? So there's a local government elections coming up in Lagos next year. There will be local government elections across board. There are state elections also coming up. This is where the youth can begin to come together and also participate in all of these things. If we are really serious about leadership in this country, I think we need to stop sitting behind, waiting till 2026 before we now start rallying around again and saying that this is our next, this is the best time we can rally around and make. No, no, no. Change is a process. You need to be consistent with what you want. You have a goal. We have a goal. We want to change the political mindset, the political landscape of this country. So it is not something that we can achieve in nine months. It is not something that if perhaps we can we can say, okay, some countries were able to do that. The peculiarities of that country is different from us. So I think we need to understand all of these things. We need to understand that consistency is key. So where does consistency come? Go back to your words. Go back to your community. Begin to build political alliances from there. Participate properly. Join a political party. The reality is not everyone can be in politics fully, but have at least the necessary, you know, participate at your own level. Because whatever the government does in Abuja affects everyone. Whatever the government does in Alausa affects everyone. Whatever they do in your local government affects everyone. But if you are not directly or indirectly involved, you will not see that change. There will be no change. The status quo will remain the same. So I believe, apart from the fact that this election, as you know, made everybody you know aware that okay we can actually achieve this thing my fear now is a lot of people are beginning to lose hope you understand people that had great mind that their candidates were going to win or the outcome might eventually favor this part so i think this is not the time to begin to think of that think of this as a win we're able to make a statement so let's build on it let's um, move on from here and you know in the next four eight years before you know it we can begin to put Nigeria on a trajectory, we expect we expect the country to you know to be on. So that's my own. I think I think we need to be consistent with what we want. We need to we already have an objective. I believe every youth in this country know the kind of country they want, the kind of nation they want. But then the spirits how, how well are we you know working towards this? How well are we serious about this thing? What's the consistency level? So these are these are things that we need to you know work on. I believe one day we'll get it right and like I say uh, we cannot deny the fact that we our elections have improved. Mm-hmm. So it's time for voters to to also improve. Trust me, our elections have improved. The kind of elections we had in 1999, where it was it was militarized for those that have that history. So there was a particular gang up by you know men of the military against the civilian person that was coming. So 2003, the same. 2007, where we had the late Yaradua telling us clearly that he knows that the process got him in was rigged. Then we had what we had in 2011 and 2015, by the time we started introducing, you know, technology into all of these things, we began to see change. So I believe that we are getting it right with the process, but we are not getting it right with the people fully. Okay. So, so a lot of people need to understand that politics is a process. It's a, it's a long process. If, so it's not something that can be achievable within nine, ten months. It's a long process, but you need to be consistent. So that is just uh, what I would 
Okay, thank you, thank, thank you, thank you, yeah, thank you, Abdulgani. So, do you think that you know elections can be won in Nigeria without the traditional political structure, you know, like Abdulgani has shared? And maybe we can get to the point where we can, you know, win elections on just popular people's opinion. Is there a possibility of this, or do we need to still have those traditional political structures? Okay, first of all, before that can happen, in my opinion, they need there will be a need for the entire electoral process to be tweaked. Independent candidates should be able to run before you can disregard the political structure. Because as we saw in this election, it's not just about voting. You have to vote. You have to protect your votes. Then you now have to now do the whole politicking where the vote you have protected needs to be declared. So there are different stages to this thing. Coming out to vote is one thing. From the polling unit to the ward level, People need to protect that. From the world level to the local government, it needs to be protected. From the local government to the state coalition centers need to be protected. As you can see, the IRF was supposed to cut down this entire process, but you saw what happened with the IRF. It was, it was just totally mismanaged and it was just totally abused. So before elections will be able to be won without the traditional political structures, independent candidates should be able to run. That's the only way you can completely disregard the political structures and say, okay, only pop, only um, popularity votes. But I don't think elections are popularity contests in any way. I think it's a game of may the best man win, may the, may the best politician win. And that, unfortunately, is I know it's a very pessimistic mindset, but that, unfortunately, is what we have currently in Nigeria. Maybe in the next 100 years when our democracy have improved to that extent, hopefully, hopefully, it's a, it's a, hopeful, it's a hopeful dream. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but that's my opinion. Okay. Now, Angelica, do you think we should see the elections and the political process in Nigeria as a game, right? A game of political structure who has more structure, who has better strategies at convincing people? Or do you think we need to move away from the level where we're at now? And then finally, to close, how would you speak to young people? out there on the next thing to do like what is next i think for the young people i think they're already on a good trajectory by trying to educate themselves like gani said and neka said there's a need for continuous education so that you know they can be more engaged in the in the political process and not just assuming that they already know everything that there is to politics i think that the political parties or the political structures that we have need to be overhauled because elections in different countries we can see like they have foundations of political structures that candidates actually capitalize on i think that there should just be an overhaul of everything in different political parties i think that even INEC itself the electoral process too needs to be as independent i mean as independent as it is supposed to be and um, yeah everything everything will be will be good for us okay um final thoughts from femi where do we go from here as young people as youths in nigeria from nigeria of nigeria the elections we're done with them right now except those ones that you know were declared inconclusive but for the young people yeah. where do we go from here yes we go to court because <laughs> 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 so going to court actually has become a very interesting place like that and actually it is something we should be ashamed of that um, a number of nigerians do not believe in, in the courts and that is why your rulers are telling you go to court because they know 
you know, if you are in a boxing ring, if you are in a contest with someone, and it is that person who is also stating the rules, uh, telling you out. It's just like how the U.S. determines what is war crime. <laughs> you know, you get it. So they know, they know what already done space so that you do not even believe in the courts, you don't believe in the judicial system anymore. So, but that, that's just the enlightenment. But uh, when, when we move from here is, we must continue engaging ourselves and organizing properly. Ijeka said something about overhauling the political parties. Let me just straight down to that place. You see, I'm, I'm a firm believer of process. That the process that gives birth to a product must be as genuine as that product or fake as that product. You cannot have a crooked process and then expect that the product of that process will be nice. It, it doesn't work anyway. You know, when you have political parties where their nomination form is 100 million naira, you know, 50 million naira, 30 million naira, just nomination forms, that's paper, paper. Uh, you can't expect that any politician that moves through that process is going to do anything for the people. Let's, let's be true, true to ourselves. The presidential salary, the, the salary of the president for four years is 56 million naira. But in APC, APC sells its nomination form and expression of interest form for 100 million naira. What is that telling you already? It is simple corruption. There is no, you don't, you don't need anybody or any prophet to tell you that that person is going there to steal. You get it. So, INEC must be able to, you know, regulate political parties within the confines of what is legality and morality. Do you get it? Someone who I just mentioned that on forms and all of that. There are other things within political parties that are not morally okay. You know, and when these things are not okay morally, you don't expect a clean electoral process. You know, that is why it is now a game. You have political parties that are actually annexes of the ruling parties. PDP has like four political parties that they are sponsoring. That's the truth. APC has like four other political, six other political parties that they are the ones actually in those political parties. They only created those political parties as safe havens in case something happens within APC, they can run into those parties. So at the end of the day, that's why you see, oh, eight political parties have endorsed the candidate of the APC. They've been endorsed. That's the game from the beginning. They just waited till like two days to the election to announce it. Do you get it? So these are the things that are playing out in our and it is not about morals. That's the problem. And it's like that everywhere in the world. So that is why it's still a game. But when you continue to play games with the lives of the people, that we would continue to be where we are. We would continue to have many of these conversations over and over and over again. And it seems as if nothing is changing. So I think the young people of this country must not relate at this time. This is not the time to start feeling bad and oh, just, oh, let's leave this whole thing. We have started on a good, you know, footing. So the next is to just build on this and to make sure that uh, we have a country that we all, you know, dream of. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Let the conversation continue wherever you are. Remember that political participation does not end at the polling units. Neither does it end when results, election results are announced. It's not a race. I don't think it's a marathon or even a journey that ends. It just never does. Thanks to senior reporter, Premium Times, Amaka Okafo, and to public policy analyst, Neka Anadi, who joined us. I introduced Abdulganyu first. Come on, again, I think I'll just, you know, save you for the last. Thanks to human rights activist Femi Adie for um, joining. Thank you very much, Femi. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes. And Njideka Agbu, a media consultant. Thank you very much for joining and lending your voice. Thank you so much, Tony.
Yes, and finally to PR and political enthusiast Abdul Ghani Isa, thank you very much for joining. Thank you very much, Anthony. Yeah. So yes, let the conversation continue wherever you are, but please do not lose hope and let's ensure that we make, you know, our country wherever we are, you know, a better place for every one of us. Thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.